co, co, come mai, co, come mai, la Champions League tu non la vici mai. Hey guys, welcome back to the Brothers of the World podcast. It's been a minute since we've been here. Um, yeah, it really has. It really hasn't, though, in a way. It's been, I think, about roughly 18, 19 days since we recorded last, but there have been, you count them, one, two, three, four, five, six matches in that time. It's just blowing us away. But we're here. It's morning here on the East Coast. It's probably the first time ever that my co-host Fristo has been recording at a reasonable time. And we're going to get into it. How are you, man? I mean, I can attest to that. I've been half asleep throughout the last year, year and some <laughs> year, month, probably. Uh, but yeah, now I'm good. I'm just, I don't know. I'm I'm recovering from everything that happened um, team-wise, inter-wise. Although I'm not as concerned as I was throughout the season. And especially after we lost to Juventus back in March. But what can you do? Sometimes you win, sometimes you, sometimes you lost you lose and today or yesterday we lost and I don't know I was expecting much more from um, the matches but we'll delve into that how are you Mike um I'm good it probably would have been worse if we actually would have lost yesterday it's just these draws do start feeling like losses when you're kind of as tantalizingly close to being in a title race as Inter are and as you know we watch Juventus throw points away when after we've thrown points away that would have gotten us there or even over the home. But, you know, interwise trying to just make sense and digest. I'm used to like, we're all used to having maybe like twice a month having two matches a week. And so most of the time, you know, we've got a week to digest like one match but now, like, you get, like, a day or two to think about it, and then it, you throw it all out the window and start again with another match. So, you know, I'm kind of enjoying the ride. It's keeping the summer in lockdown. Well, not really lockdown, but, you know, staying distant. It's keeping the summer from being too dull. I'll give it that. But, yeah, it's, would it's hard would to discern. I would agree with that on you, without a doubt. Because uh, if you look back on the matches that we played, even from the beginning of the, um, let's say, the lockdown era. The first match was against Sampdoria, which we covered in, in the previous episode. But after that, we had a few matches which we didn't perform as we should, although we won two out of the three. And I said even on the previous episode that, in all honesty, I, I gave up from the Scudetto hopes after we didn't win against Asolo. Although I wasn't really mad at Gagliardini for missing the, the chance that he missed, because he... To be quite honest, I didn't expect him to, to do anything. Like, the bar is so low in my mind for him that I don't expect from him even to pass the ball right. Because everything that he does on the pitch is a surprise to me. Because I don't rate him as a player. I really liked him at the beginning when he arrived, but after that, he didn't do anything. And I, hi- and I hate the fact that He's like some sort of a project for every single coach that Inter signs, whether that is uh, Spalletti, Pioli especially, now Conte. Everyone plays him. And I think there are better alternatives. Even Agum is a better uh, player than he is because when Agume actually came on off, off the bench, he played like he's a senior and he's like 34 years old. 
I haven't seen a calmness in a player that young. I don't know how good he is, but I can attest to his um, to his composure and his calmness. But as far as the the matches go, I think you you said it perfectly. Without any football, I think the summer would have been even dull, uh, even more dull than it is right now. Everything that is happening in the world is scary, but we just have to to do something. Uh, to spend our time uh, basically indoors, and is no, there's no better way to spend it than actually watching football, enjoying movies and stuff like that. Especially now when we cannot even go down uh, outside the top four and we cannot, we cannot win the scudetto. So instead of watching inter games, people should I don't know watch put a movie or two. <laughs> Telling people to get a life, it's funny, <laughs> but um, I don't even have a life. The way that I see it, um, with Galliardini, yeah, that guy, I don't, I don't know what to make of that guy other than you know he's not good enough. But every coach, I don't know what they see, and I do agree on that. I don't understand what if he just like has he hires a private investigator before every manager <laughs> comes in and gets some dirt that he can just blackmail with. But and like that guy's outlasting Vecino, who is who, uh, as it was announced today, is out for the rest of the season with knee surgery, but may, like, that he may still be sold. So Galliardini still has a chance of lasting longer than his Uruguayan twin. So that that's just, that's all baffling to me. And you mentioned how we secured top four. Um, the only way we don't make Champions League is if Roma wins Europa League and Napoli wins Champions League. So I would say we're pretty safe. So with that, we can probably start seeing some more guys like Agume, seeing um, Parola, who made his first appearance. Um, Esposito, maybe, since he's renewed his contract, and that's that dispute's all gone. So we'll see some youth hopefully play, you know, if it's not going to be matches that are exciting for external circumstances outside of like wherever we finish in the top four, like at least maybe we can get a little bit of excitement in watching some young players perform. That's something I would look forward to in these final four games, especially against Genoa and then probably on the last day against Atalanta. I think Fiorentina will still probably play a pretty strong team and Napoli will play a pretty strong team. But Atalanta, I don't think we will with Getafe in the Europa League three days later in Germany. I think, yeah, you're going to see, like, all the kids play that game. Atalanta might do the same since they have Champions League a week later. But, you know, we're really in the short rows here. Um, did have the match yesterday, less than 24 hours ago as we are recording, um, the 2-2 against Roma. Um I don't think for me there's too much to say about that match. You know, it was kind of a great summary of what has been going on since restart. Like, we get out early and get a goal, you know, drop off, give up two goals, but then, you know, get the penalty at the end through Victor Moses, who came on as a really good sub, but get the penalty through Lukaku who came on 
and you're basically just back where you began. And that's how I feel about this whole restart um, coronavirus phase of the 2019-20 season is like we're just back where we started and nothing's really changed, but it's felt completely painful, unnecessarily painful the whole time. I think I, I, to a certain extent, I agree with you, especially because everything that is happening right now is abnormal and not unlike any person has ever seen. And um, Conte saying that Inter had less days of rest compared to other teams was proven by a media outlet in Italy. I, I cannot remember which was the source, but it actually posted a picture which which proved that uh, Inter had five days um, less uh, less rest when compared to other teams, uh, while Juventus had the most rest after out of the the teams, especially teams that are running um, in the top four, top five. But I just wanted to touch upon a point, uh, the one that you mentioned about Roma. I think I've seen a lot of debates, even last summer, there were uh, around Jose Mourinho or Conte or both of them and compare them and their playing styles. I, yesterday, I, uh, we all witnessed the, the substitution that Conte made with Bastoni going out and D'Ambrosio coming in at the latter stages of the game, which I didn't actually understand because you're chasing, chasing a result and you're putting a effectively right back to play instead of Bastoni. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but at the end of the match, there were four men back line with, uh, Bas- with the, uh, D'Ambrosio and Biragi pushing forward. <clears throat> well, Skriniar and De Vrij were staying back, which is to a certain extent a novelty because it prompted uh, Moses to go even further up the pitch and at least be a winger instead of a um, right wing back, which proved to be a right, uh, the right decision when um, we take into consideration the match as a whole and especially how Roma played at the, at the back end of the match. Another point when talking about all the useless players, Handanovic got a renewal or will get a new renewal, news which came out after he had a few bad games. The same thing happened with Kandreva, who, although has been in a great form, when he had a bad game, I remember uh, the, the day after the game, there were rumors that, that his contract will get renewed. So I think the timing, and Ambrosio too, I think the timing is a bad timing for such renewals right now, although... I'm not opposing them, but I think that they could have handled things better. And I don't know, talking about handling things, I don't know if you saw the, I mean, we talked about that. The, the email that was supposed to be sent to Junk and it was sent to all the staff by a mistake, which is pretty embarrassing if true, uh, although Inter have denied that. But who knows? I think, um, I think it, it's a new... It's a new leaf considering uh, the situation that happened even at the larger picture with Spalletti and Conte having um, having this inter team in his first seasons or in his first season at the club. Um, and just another point that I wanted to to make is that we had a lot of injuries. I don't know 
if other teams had such an unlucky streak of injuries, I don't think they did. Um, looking at Milan, who won six out of the last eight games, joined two. It's been pretty, uh, pretty embarrassing considering the midfield that Pioli has at Milan and uh, Conte has at Inter for Gagliardini to be playing 90 minutes for multiple games at a time. Um, I think we were unlucky with Barella getting injured, who was arguably one of the best performers throughout the season, with Sensi not playing how long? Like almost a year now, uh, nine months. And he got injured against Juventus, and after that, he didn't really perform. He was, he came on, I think, against Udinese before the new year. But yeah, all in all, like seven, eight months for sure. Brozovic was injured, which was unlike himself. And I think Vecino, too. Borja Valero was supposed to play for some matches, which he did, and he was decent at them although he was never supposed to, supposed to start. And, yeah, I, I will just mention some, um, some things in context after that, after, at the end of the podcast. But, yeah, that's it. That's what, what I wanted to mention about Roma. And, I don't know, what are your thoughts about like, us going forward throughout the season, especially uh, the next match against Fiorentina, although you touched upon that. What are your like, overall thoughts um, do you think that t- the team will actually perform now that they know that they're in the Champions League? Or do you think that they'll get a certain fatigue because of that? Um, Hopefully. I mean, I'm not going to guess because you can't guess with this team anymore, especially in this time, that with the pressure off, because we know how the mentality in this team is like the make or break. And it's been breaking more than it's been making recently. So I think with the pressure off of their backs, I think they're actually going to play better just because we've seen where they get in their own heads and start freaking out about little mistakes or giving up a goal. And that's where like collapse comes in. That's where you get like month long blackouts or like week long blackouts, I guess in this case with all these matches going on. But I think we'll see a decent showing against Fiorentina. Um, I forget what their match was the other day. I watched a little bit of it, and I know Dragowski didn't play. I'm not sure if Chiesa played, but he did. Okay. Well, Dragowski didn't play, and so I don't know what fitness and injuries look like in their team. But I think the only team that's been more injured than us, you were kind of talking about that. The only team I think that's had more injuries has been Roma, but they've like gotten a lot of their players back. So they're, you know, coming back around. Um, I remember a few matches ago for them, I was watching them and they had Brian Cristante, who of course is a just a, I don't even know, I guess he's box to box midfield type. And he was playing in the middle of a back three. I think that was against Hellas Verona. So they were, you know, scrapping together and makeshifting whatever. But I think right now that we probably have the most crucial injuries to our team out of any club in the league, which really sucks 
Like, there's no other way around that. Um, I think so- something needs to be looked at in the training staff. And I think some hard questions really need to be asked by the manager and by, like, upper management. Because you can't – and all of, most of the injuries happening in training. You can't be injuring your own players in a time when you're supposed to be building them up and working on tactics and learning, you can't just be injuring them in that time. And hopefully after, you know, the season ends that those questions will get to be asked in that like three weeks to a month that they get off, which is peanuts. Uh, This team, like these guys are essentially going to be playing a 13 month season coming up and basically just finished one or finished like a 11 month season with the Corona break in the middle of it. So I I think injuries are going to become pretty commonplace for everyone, and it's going to be a factor that every club in Europe has to begin to deal with. And beyond Fiorentina, which I know is what the question was, and I'm looking towards next season now because, I mean, outside of Europa League, I think we've accomplished everything we're going to accomplish. So I think, yeah, next season is going to have a lot of questions but for the Fiorentina match, I see us performing. I see Lukaku starting. And, yeah, I think we'll start seeing some of the younger players coming in. Uh, that was an interesting point that you mentioned with the season lasting so long. Because although the season has been as long as it is right now, I think the longest we've seen, in at least in my lifetime, the next season will be even more tough considering it will start not even a month after the season ends. And on top of that, next season you have, next summer, you'll have the Euros, the Olympic Games, and Copa America, which that's like half of the world playing, I mean, the Olympic Games um, as an exception. Euros and Copa America is basically half of, half of the world playing at a high level for two years straight. And I think, to a certain extent, although our team is not as bad, I think Conte is trying to take the maximum that he can. Although he made mistakes, let's not be fooled about that. And we're not defending anyone without any reason. Um, but those are facts that we mentioned. Also, um, I've seen a couple of games that Real Madrid played, and I think one of their most striking difference between um, the pre and post uh, corona corona break is that their subs has have been finally integrated into the team uh, meaning last summer they've signed um, the rodrigo guy they had Vin- vinicius from last season militao mendy and so on and so forth and all those players although not starting most of most of the matches they came in clutch against smaller teams that they can run play against them I think we should invest a lot more in our bench because of the situation that you mentioned, because the season will get even longer. Uh, You'll have more injuries than a normal season would sustain. And I think investing in a good bench will be key for next season, Uh, considering Juventus has an aging squad, uh, considering their, their best players have been more or less injured throughout the last three or four months. And if they don't invest properly, if they have a summer without every single 
player being a good signing, I think there's a small window for, window of opportunity to actually snatch the title from them next season and progress towards something even uh, even better for the future, I think. Well, hopefully it's bigger than just, you know, a small window. But uh, looking forward at the Juventus transfer strategy, I guess, um, I feel like they've gotten a little bit younger in the midfield with the um, Arthur um, Pianich swap. But beyond that, I don't know what their transfer strategy is going to be. They're not going to offload Ronaldo. Um, they probably won't offload Dybala like they tried to last summer because of um, just how that guy's kept them where they're at. Um, I could see Higuain leaving, but I don't really know what much else they'll do. They won't buy any more center backs. Benucci will get another year older. Chiellini's going to get another year older. Their fullbacks are still pretty underwhelming. Their wingers outside of Ronaldo, if you call him a winger sometimes, uh, aren't remarkable guys. Even out, Arthur is going to be their best midfielder, I would say. So I think there is going to be that space to, if we do well enough in the transfer market and we stay healthier than la- than this season, the next could really be, well, hopefully should be a step forward whether you make those moves or not. But with that being said, another thing that you mentioned, you mentioned about subs is I don't think Syria has announced it, but there is the option to go to five subs per match for all of next season to make up for, uh, you know, the upcoming Euros, the upcoming Olympics for younger players and Copa America for South American players. So if they pick up that five substitution law, every debate I've seen has said that it skews more towards these big teams, like what you're talking about where, those like Real Madrid types are bringing on like basically half of another starting squad. And a lot of the more wealthy clubs in Europe are going to be able to do the same thing. Like they're going to be able to invest basically in two squads and throw a second one on while the smaller clubs, you know, won't have as much depth and will probably be done in more often than not by that volume of substitutions from their opposition. So uh, there are going to be a lot of new dynamics coming up. And I know it's not a season preview yet, but I mean, there's just not that much to talk about from Roma unless you want to talk about like Handanovich leaving DeVry out to dry. You want to talk about like the bad luck of Bastoni punting a clearance off of DeVry back to Mkhitaryan, like, there just wasn't much to talk about from that last match and like all the other ones before it that were so rapid fire are really they're still by dates recent, but by football age, like football years, I guess, they're ancient past. So I mean I guess looking forward is more of what there is to do these days than looking back. And especially with Europa League coming up, which I know a lot of a lot of Inter fans are starting to look more confident in with the draw fully fledged out and the fall off of Getafe, who, you know, 
everyone was hailing as like the mini Atletico Madrid before the break, and now they just look like I guess like Leche or something. But I don't know. How do you feel about Europa League and then like everything going forward after that? A weird question, considering how it's performed in recent weeks. Uh, looking back on the results, I I can see us scoring and conceding a lot of goals. There weren't less than three goals in all of our matches since the restart, since since the 21st of June against Sampdoria until the yesterday's match against Roma, which I honestly I'm I'm surprised. I didn't expect to see so many goals because, as you said, they've been coming thick and fast. It's so chaotic considering um, the the situation of the world, situation of the leagues, of uh, everything that is happening, fans, players, etc. But I think we have a really decent chance uh, to at least going to the finals, um, final of the Europa League, because as you Nosh, uh, as you said, Hetafe has has been embarrassingly bad against every single opponent they have played so far uh, since the restart. Looking at the schedule right now, or uh, uh, their previous results, they have won only one game in the last 13, and that happened um, eight ma- six matches ago. So they have lost in, in that five matches, and they've lost a match yesterday, which actually was a really, really bad result uh, for them because they lost yesterday and, they're, and they haven't qualified for the Europa League next season. So instead, and Granada is, is, is qualified. Although Hetafe was fourth and fifth throughout the season until uh, the break happened. Uh, they are in a very, very bad form. Although they had a really good... It's very, it's very difficult to assess a situation like that, because, like this. Because you had a first season or the first half of the season until January. Then you have another half of the season until March. And then a third half in June. And they have been decent in two out of the three halves. But when, it, when, the, when the situation was messed up and uh, they needed to perform the best and the most for the fans, they've lost and they drew most of their matches. Having all this in mind, having in mind that Inter might finish second at the end of the season, which is pretty pretty decent, uh, I think there's a really good opportunity to go through and to win against uh, against uh, Getafe. And we're playing after that, or the winner of the match plays against Bayer Leverkusen or Rangers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And and as we saw before started before we started to record, um, we are playing on the fifth of August, and then the winner of uh, Getafe and Inter plays on the tenth against either of the two teams. So the matches are still very condensed, but there was there'll there'll be more time to recover and more time in between the matches, and you can concentrate on uh, one match per five days, let's say. I think the opportunity is there. Hetafe hasn't been in form. And I would argue that 
out of the all, all the opponents that we could have faced, Hetafi is one of the best opportunities that we had um, to actually do something and win a trophy. Because I I'm I'm disappointed with how, with how uh, our team has performed throughout the last I don't know a week or so because we've dropped so many points points that considering the injuries that we had and sustained could have been very, very detrimental in our Scudetto race, although we weren't big on the Scudetto throughout the last few months. But still, we had a chance. We didn't, um, we didn't use a chance. We lost against Napoli 2 for the Coppa Italia. And uh, Hetafe is, is, is the first hurdle, hurdle uh, towards our ambition to win the, in the Europa League. What about you? Do you think that we actually have a chance of winning the competition or uh, we should aim a little lower or we shouldn't be as I ambitious? mean, I think I think we'll make it out of this round. Um, beyond that, we probably have the second toughest, I would say, matchup if we win that because we're going to have between Rangers and Leverkusen, Leverkusen are up. 3-1 on aggregate, and I think those may have been all away goals. And if that's the case, no, no, they weren't. Never mind. But still, they're they up 3-1 on aggregate. So they were away goals? Okay. Yes. So, yeah, that that's probably going to guarantee them through, because I don't think I don't think Rangers have played since shutdown. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Scottish League a ban well gave their title again to Celtic at the end of that the end of March. So it's gonna be probably Leverkusen out of there. Then we'll have to face them. And then we'll get one of the four if we win that, we get one of the four of Wolfsburg, Shakhtar, Eintracht, Frankfurt, and Basel. With Basel up on aggregate and are up on aggregate. So I think out of those four, the hardest we could probably get for us, I don't know. I'm maybe Frankfurt, maybe Shakhtar. I would take those two as the biggest threats to us. But so many things that could happen with it just being one off now. Well, I'd, for most teams, it's one off. For other ones, you know, they're taking their second legs. But once everything gets to pure one-off knockout matches, it's going to be hectic. You could see some crazy stuff happen. I wouldn't be surprised to see a team a chance before be like in the final, like a uh, Bashekshire, a Wolves, even maybe could make the final with these new. You know modifications, so I I wouldn't put anything past us, but I wouldn't put anything past anyone else either. In all honesty, I think our side of the of uh, of the draw is easier when compared to the other side because you have Wolves, you have for example Sevilla, United, Basak Shehir. Like you have four very good teams. Some of them, uh, Basak Shehir, for example, yesterday won the Turkish league. So they are motivated as ever. They'll be rested. Yeah, we're lucky that, you know, we don't have to travel to any kind of home or away stadiums for these matches. Like, it's all going to just be 
random places in Germany. So, like, if we were to play Shakhtar, we wouldn't have to go to Ukraine. If we were to play Wolfsburg, we, well, we're still going to be in Germany. So, if we were to play Rangers, I guess we wouldn't have to go to Glasgow is another example. But, yeah, we do, I think, have an easier side because you look at the other side of the draw, like, each each tie has one team that's like really really decent in their leagues if not winning their leagues like i mean you got manchester united who have fallen off a little bit recently but you know they still have all that money in their squad um bashekshir who of course won their league i'm sure copenhagen probably won theirs too unless it was michelin but i mean i haven't kept up with the dutch league so Olympiacos, who I don't know what they've really done, but then you've got Wolves, who, of course, you know, those guys like to attack. Um, they're one of the more exciting teams to watch in the Premier League. And then both Sevilla and Roma have decent squads. Sevilla, of course, has that Europa League pedigree where they always have a shot at winning it when they're if they're in it. So, yeah, we do have an easier path but I still wouldn't put any guarantees on anything for any of these teams. It's going to be, I think, it's going to be very weird to play in such competition, a one-off games in Germany. Uh, it will be for sure a very exhausting period for all teams, but at least I can, I can be at peace that we are playing Hetafe and not Ajax, who actually were playing Hetafe before this round, and they were they had a lead and they didn't capitalize on that. <clears throat> but Hetafe is not uh, is is the most informed, uh, I mean, out of form team out of all of those um, that we mentioned in our side of the group, of the draw to be precise. And um, it's really hard to predict considering. We've never seen an on a one of games, especially uh, in the Champions League or the Europa League. I think we can take an example from uh, any of the World Cups that happened, at least in our era, since watching football, and we can see that in such games, everyone can beat everyone. It depends mostly on the team and how is it set on the pitch. Uh, the games will be more uh, calculated than they would be when you're playing at home and away because you'll uh, you'll have uh, you have to play against a team in their own um at their own stadium at their own uh before their own fans and i think that will be very different and def- very weird for players because you you'll need to take a completely different approach to such games games uh, that happened in coppa italia too when inter was playing smaller teams and weaker oppositions um, in which we had to win because that's what ex- what is expected from the club, and now the pressure will be um, even even better for for some teams and even worse for others. So it's all about how the team will perform uh, in one of games, whether they are prepared to do so, and how they will react uh, if they concede a goal. Will will they be as calculated as they would be in other situations, or will they go? Uh, all out when they concede a call. 
It's going to be something to watch, and I'm sure we'll cover it a lot more before it actually happens here in the next few weeks. We'll probably have more time to break it down another episode. And, yeah, that's probably the most exciting thing on the horizon. Um, after Fiorentina, we've got Genoa, Napoli, and Atalanta to finish out the season. Um, Fiorentina let me doesn't ask you a points. question. We don't have to go too deep into it because I'm sure we'll probably record again, hopefully before Atalanta, maybe before Napoli. Um, but how do you see us ending out the season? Again, I think it very much depends on how we're going to line up against the any of the teams. Is Conte really um, – does Conte really want to, to, win, to finish second and to prove everyone uh, that he is actually an upgrade even on the paper, not only in the playing, playing style? Or will, will we be more calculated and go all for the Europa League? Because the Europa League is in exactly two weeks. So I don't think that we should risk any injuries. So um, maybe giving more rest than we would to our, to our key players. And against Fiorentina, I just want us to win because I really deeply hate Fiorentina because of what has happened throughout the years with them. Uh, Genoa is a very difficult match because they might need the points to survive and to stay in the league. So they might be playing more, more attacking football, leaving Inter with the best situation possible, which is to go all out on counterattacks, which is something that Conte relishes and really appreciates in, in a team such as uh, his own. And the last two matches are, I think, a flip of a coin because... If we if we win against Fiorentina and Genoa against Napoli, we might see a very uh, colorful um, lineup. But when it comes to Atalanta, as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we might see a combination of uh, I would say Primavera players, players that haven't played a, a lot throughout the season, because Atalanta is playing PSG, which is far more important than a last game against Inter. Although, well, hell, you never know what, what, what what's Gasparini thinking because we all know his history with Inter and he might just want to, wants to destroy Inter in any given way possible. And if that means going all out against Inter with his best 11, well, Conte is playing uh, with Borja Valero and uh, Handanovic in the goal. I mean, hell. Renakia center forward against like all the South's back three. <laughs> I don't know, defending against no. uh, Duan Zapata. But you're right. I mean, Gasparini does play every single inter match like a Champions League final. So it probably might be the same weight to him. But. Maybe not. Maybe if everything's already decided, you know, that's just going to be one of those typical last match of the season. No one has anything to play for, so we're just going to go out and see what happens type matches. 
we're heading towards the end here, and this is usually where we would answer some questions if we had put out, you know, that we were going to record, and we'd be like, hey, you know, ask us some questions, and we did that uh, about two weeks ago now, which really looks, it's kind of sad. Um, I think just everyone's schedules got all mixed up. We were trying to have Chino on, and all of us just never could make up a time, and so... We missed out those questions. We see, we saw them, of course, um, but they're all about like Bologna and Verona now, which is like seven football years ago now. And we thank everyone for the comments, um, for the questions, and we'll of course, you know, ask before the next one. We didn't ask before this one. This is pretty impromptu, but next time we ask questions, um, I promise you, I will sit here and answer every single one of them, no matter how stupid. So, um, look for that in the coming weeks. Uh, we should be back with another episode. Um, Christo, thanks as ever for being on. And we'll continue on with the next matches and see where we're at. And we'll see you all then. Thanks. Thanks.